Hello, all of you out there. This is Heather Langenkamp, and you're listening to Alone in the Dark. Good evening. This is cursed. Death has come to your little town, Sheriff. It's Miller time. Why do you want to know my name? I want to know who I'm looking at. Hello, this is the Alone in the Dark podcast. I'm your host, Mike Boylan, and we are joined with someone new, our newest podcast contributor, because our good friend Matt uh, can't do the podcast for a little while. He's got some stuff going on. So uh, jumping in and helping us out is... Tom Neff. Tom, dun, 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 dun. how you doing, buddy? I'm good. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for, uh, no, thanks, for having me. Thanks for doing this. This is awesome. Tom, uh, I've known Tom for a while. He's actually married to my best friend's uh, younger sister. And Tom, tell us a little about yourself, because you, you've got a, a nice tie into this podcast. I think that goes goes together very well. I do. I do. Well, uh, I, I currently am a uh, writer, producer, editor for um, sci-fi and mainly for, for this podcast, uh, Chiller. Um, so, uh, for those of you who don't have Chiller, it is the, uh, the, the premier, uh, horror channel on, uh, it's completely devoted to horror on, uh, on television. Um, uh, and, uh, and yeah, so I, I do mainly, I, I do the, uh, the promotional and all the marketing promos that you see promoting the different movies that are coming on and all the, you know, TV shows and stunts and marathons and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, that's, you know, that's what I do there. I think it's great. Uh, I think it's, it's awesome. I've, you know, been trying to keep, keep in touch with Chiller cause I have direct TV and right. Chiller is a part of direct TV, yep. which is great. And there's some great original programming on there. Anything like new and exciting coming yep. up on Chiller that you could tell us about? Well, ma- our, our main, um, original stuff that we do is movies, Chiller films. Um, you know, we, uh, uh we aid in the, in the, in the production of, uh, of, of different original movies that we'll either, uh, distribute, uh, on VOD um, and in select theaters, and then they'll eventually make their way on uh, onto television. Uh, one premiere that we have um, that's coming up actually this coming Friday is um, Deep in the Darkness, which is based on a novel. I cannot remember the guy's name. Sorry, but um, <laughs> you're fired. I'm fired. I, it's, it's, I lasted 30 seconds. I'm out of here. No, I mean you're fired on Chiller. They're going to listen to this and go, "What? He doesn't know." I'm just yeah, kidding. Well. Um, <laughs> But it's a great movie. Um, Sean Patrick Thomas um, and uh, uh, Dean Stockwell, um, and uh, yeah, and it's a great, uh, it's a it's a cool movie about creepy creatures uh, who, you know, kind of live in this isolated. People live in this isolated town where these creatures are kind of controlling them and stuff like that. And this, you know, sim- simple innocent family move in, and you know, you can kind of that sounds go, cool. You know, move forward with it. You know, you, you know, you know the tale. But uh, but it's interesting because you know you kind of you you the, the creatures get revealed a little early on and it's it's not so much about the creatures it's more about the uh, Michael the main character and you know what what he does and how he tries to get out of the town and stuff like that, that. sounds but, yeah, really, it's really cool. cool it's gonna be cool that's awesome I love yeah. I follow Chiller on Facebook and I love you guys are really good with updating you know what shows are coming out and even you know when you guys play some classic films and stuff like that oh, yeah. it's really good they kind of definitely keep up to date with that which is awesome we got a lot of good stuff coming. Out, we just uh, we just struck a deal with uh, with Lionsgate and Sony, and um, we're going to be getting a lot of really good, um, well-known horror movies. You know, as well as I mean, we we do show a lot of like niche ones that you may may or may not have heard about. 
Um, but a lot of like really good horror movies coming uh, coming soon. That's exciting. That's cool. Well, Tom, I can't thank you enough for being a part of the podcast. I am yeah. excited. For those of you who don't who, who can't see me, which none of you can, I'm in the this the, this this room of horror. It <laughs> yeah, is. we're in our new podcast room that I put together. Um, yeah, I used to be uh, in a band, and we had a, a room where we used to record, and this was our console room, and I turned it into the podcast room. So you're, this is the first podcast we're recording in the podcast room. So it's pretty cool, right? This is this is uh, it's scaring me. I mean, I'm expecting <laughs> I'm expecting an arm to come out at any, at any point. Michael Myers is behind me, right? Yeah, now. we got a Halloween movie poster. I'm going to post pictures on our Instagram account, which you can uh, everybody can check out. It's uh, Alone in the Dark podcast on Instagram and uh, our Twitter account is alone in the dark P uh, for anybody that wants to follow us on Twitter. But anyway, let's get to our podcast and we are uh, our podcast today. We are, we're focusing on the review of the release, the Blu-ray release of the classic 1983 horror film, Sleepaway Camp. Sleepaway Camp. You won't be coming home. So amazing. And we are so lucky to have with us Ricky, Jonathan Tiersten. Jonathan, what's up, man? How are you guys? We're good. We're good. Thanks so much for doing this. This is awesome. Yeah, it's fun for me, too. I, it's funny that you're sitting in a what was a studio because I'm sitting in my studio. Yeah, see, there you go. We're all musicians. And Tom's a musician, am, too. So, yeah, we got a lot of music go. stuff to talk about, which is great. So, so Jonathan, you're in Colorado, correct? I am. That's Fort awesome. Lovely- Beautiful Fort Collins. Nice. I don't know if in one of the emails we exchanged, I don't know if you, I went to uh, Regis University. Uh, for, oh, yeah. Yeah, in yeah. Denver. So um, I always have, my heart always belongs in Colorado. I really, really enjoyed my time out there. It was such a beautiful place. I that love it. That sounds like a song you should write, Mike. My, my yes. heart belongs to Colorado. <laughs> yeah, That's well, true. Once, once you come out here, it's really, it's, it's, a, it's a hard place to leave. Yeah, it's good. You know, at least not come back to. Yeah, my my thing was the ocean. I love the ocean, so that's why I kind of came back east. You know, I just yeah, it's it's. I I always say that to my wife. I'm like, you know, it would be one of the two. I would have to either live by the mountains or the ocean. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it's beautiful out there. So thanks so much for doing that. Um, We're gonna get to what you've been up to uh, lately, but first we want to talk about Sleepaway Camp and just kind of our experience you know, loving this film and watching it for the first time. But obviously we want to talk about your experience being on the film. Um, so my first question for you is how did you get involved in acting and how did you get involved with, uh, being in the movie sleepaway camp? Well, uh, the way I got involved with acting was sort of, uh, almost, uh, I guess you could call it accidental. I was a fairly directionless kid, uh, product of a divorced family, uh, uh, mediocre student, with two older brothers who were great students. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, uh, great athlete, but, um, you know, lost, you know, was, was starting to lose interest in the sports I was doing, um, because I really didn't, there was no familial support. So anyway, uh, BBDNO, which was a huge advertising firm came to my high school and said they wanted to shoot a commercial. Nobody knew what it was about. And basically everybody signed up and I didn't. And two friends of mine dragged me to the principal's office, which was not a place I would ever go willingly. Um, And uh, to sign up at the very last minute. And then, you know, so there we were like 2000 kids in the cafeteria. And after about uh, a week's worth of auditions and cuts and stuff like that, I got the commercial and it ended up being 
a Pepsi commercial with Gabriel Kaplan. No way. Uh, from welcome, yeah, from Welcome Back, Cotter, who was one of my absolute heroes growing up. That's not, I can't make that up because I mean, awesome. I had a, I had a, uh, I had a cartoon uh, caricature of him on my wall at home. Oh my uh, gosh! Because I grew up as a huge uh, March Brothers fan, and so that was a natural transition. And uh, so I, you know, got to know him on the uh, on the set, and my mom even made him a bagel and lox sandwich. <laughs> and uh, he looked at my mom and he said, you know, your kid's a natural. And I looked at her and said, can I get an agent? <laughs> and I had never done a school play. Uh, but I was already singing, you know, I was singing in, you know, garage bands and stuff like that. And I, I was always a ham. I like being in front of people. That's cool. I just uh, never pursued it. And so from that moment forward, things changed a lot because it was only about a year uh, after that when I got the audition for Sleepaway Camp. That's cool. Now, how did that come about? Was it just from your agent, kind of yeah, you know, local typical, casting? Very normal. No, very normal. Agent hooking me up. Uh, I remember walking in, seeing Jane Krasinski and somebody telling me, you know, from uh, uh, 30 Rock and Ashley McBeal or whatever it's called, um, and somebody telling me that, oh, she's playing, you know, one of the leads. And, you know, I'd seen her at every audition. She was one of those people you always see, and you're like, God, she gets everything she auditions for <laughs> um and uh so yeah well i walked in you know uh, set up audition and the first thing robert hiltick the director that was unusual to see the director in the first audition uh and he asked me to tell him off oh really and i looked yeah and i looked at him <laughs> and i said seriously and he goes yeah let me have it and i had a lot of pent-up rage that's and, uh, awesome <laughs> I, I think he almost fell off his chair um what like, like what kind of things popping out of my neck and you know just you know because i asked him i said can i use colorful language you know and he was like oh yeah so was it like similar to like the uh the the water balloon scene where you just kind of like it's, yeah it's virtually identical oh that's amazing <laughs> yeah, but longer oh my gosh that's great and that's what got you the job which is amazing yeah i knew i when i walked out i had i was there with two girlfriends in manhattan and i walked out and i said i think i got that that's so cool. So how old were you when you auditioned? When I auditioned, I was 16. When I did the movie, I was 17. Okay, gotcha. So it was like a year later. Not uh, a year. It was only a couple months, but my birthday is in August. So oh, okay, gotcha. Shot, shot in September. That's cool. Um, so what was it like on set? Like it just seemed like, you know, it was a lot of kids, uh, kind of a big cast, you know, extras and all. I know you guys were in upstate New York. Is that correct? Yeah, we were we stayed in Glens Falls, um, and we shot in Argyle. Okay, gotcha. That's cool. I I go to Lake George every year, so that's right up in that area, I think. But yeah, we stayed we stayed at the Glens Falls Motor Court the week the week after the Grateful Dead stayed there. That's so funny. You know, there's no fancy hotel up there, so no. that was it. You yeah, know? but that, it had a pool. That's um, that's. And I fun. just remember thinking, you know, I could swim in the pool and you know trip. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> so what was the vibe like on set was it sort of like a fun atmosphere and everybody oh, fun, yeah phenomenal uh surreal um everybody was so close we all got along so brilliantly and then you know felissa and i had a little puppy love romance and, really yeah nice uh, that didn't end well oh <laughs> um, <laughs> um and, it, and that it's, it actually stopped it halted production in the middle of the shoot really yeah. Just like a yeah. fight going on or big fight, yeah. Really? Lover yeah. spat. Oh my yeah. gosh. And Robert was the director was furious. So did he, he have to step he, in and sort of try yeah, to solve it? Yeah, he locked us in a room. Really? <laughs> yeah. Said you two 
Let's figure this shit out. And then uh, what did you guys do? You just kept talking? I sat there and let her yell at me. Really? For so like who? what was the issue? Was it you kind of, you know? Well, yeah, it was me being the 17-year-old boy. All the extras from New York came up. And, uh, uh, I got a little nutty. I see. Gotcha. That's some so of them funny. Were, some of them were models, and, you know, it was just... <laughs> there was beer, I remember. <laughs> That's amazing. So how and long I had issues because Melissa was too young for me and that so that made me, you know, feel like I was doing something wrong. I was very confused. I'm sure, she, yeah. But she was so you gotta understand when she wasn't on set, you know, she you know, she wore makeup. Uh she wasn't wearing a you know, a, an ace bandage around her boobs. <laughs> Uh, she did. She could know, breathe. Yeah. yeah, and she could look like a, more like a girl, right? Because oh, she looks all girl still. Yeah, I mean, no, she's gorgeous. Yeah, yeah, she's beautiful. She was the prettiest girl I had ever seen, or or that had ever talked to me at that point in my life. So <laughs> I was, you know, uh, completely smitten. And but then I was just, I kept struggling with her age, and it really was, you know, I grew up with this, you know, absurd uh, Judeo-Christian, uh, you know. Uh, idea of what right and wrong is and blah 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 just yeah it kind of messes so my way of compensating was to break her heart you know oh (laughs) that's crazy so how long did it take you guys to kind of work out the the your differences before Uh, it was like a half hour or 45 minutes in a room with her just screaming at me that's funny Uh, and when did when did this happen like in the filming i'm sure you guys probably right before we shot the the balloon scene oh really yeah. Oh, that's amazing. So now I, I want to go felt, back and, and watch that scene. I felt totally disconnected in the balloon scene because we shot it twice. We shot it once before the fight, and I felt like that was such a great take, but it was drizzling out, and they couldn't use it. Oh, uh, okay. So we had to do it again, and I remember being really upset about that. But then uh, we, we uh, were going to shoot it again, and then you know I had just sitting there. I had just been read the riot act and was feeling – about as big as a pea <laughs> and I got to, you know, get out there and defend her honor. And yeah. I was just like, I'm not feeling this, you know, I'm yeah, like, not, not that I was mad at her, but just, I wasn't feeling like the tough little Ricky kid at that moment. Yeah, right. totally. You were kind of just beaten down, you know, I generally feel that way around Felissa. It's just, I'm generally, uh, uh, I listen. <laughs> yeah. She, she tells me what I did wrong. That's funny. It's true. I usually did do something wrong. Gotcha. That's amazing. I had no idea about that. That's so funny. <laughs> that's awesome. I, I like. I really want to go back and rewatch that scene now to see how. Oh, yeah. 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 That's amazing. Our feud stayed stayed on for years too, even through when we saw each other in college. Really? Oh, oh my yeah. gosh, that's so funny. But now you guys have a good relationship, right? You've worked on some films together and stuff. Well, that's uh, that's a very recent. Uh, well, obviously, yeah. Return to Sleepaway, right? You guys worked together. Well, we did that, but we shot that in 03. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. It didn't come out till 08. That's uh, true, yeah. Yeah, that was a long span. And then we, we've had, oh, man, we've had issues. <laughs> <laughs> they got into another fight. You know, yeah, we did. Not too, not too long ago. Really? Oh, gosh. Just reconciled that one. But, um, yeah. <laughs> so with us, it's always, you know, we're family, and that's what family right. does. Family fights, and family, and then family reconciles, and so... That's sort of where she and I are at and, and always will be. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. And it's okay. It's, you know, it's not, um, it's, it's, it is what it is, you know? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, I, I had some questions about, you know, the, the script and the filming, like when you guys went in, did you have the whole script or was, did the director kind of keep like the mystery going for you guys or? I was the only one who had the whole script. Oh, really? Wow. wow that's amazing. Cause I was, you know, I was a little older. I uh, see. So I, I had the whole script, and uh, and I was there for the the scene, the sh- that shot. 
Were you really? That's why I was going to ask you if you were there for some of those shots. But that last shot, um, that's you know why we're here today is because we're going to give our top five. I think we're calling it like holy shit ending horror films. Yeah. Um, but that is the ultimate, you know, and Man. we, we didn't include it on our list because it yeah. really is the ultimate. I don't think, well, you know, at this point people have said it's, uh, it's not even the, the most shock ending in horror. It's just the most shock ending in movies. It really is. It really is. It's when nobody I, ever gets it ever. It's, I've it's, never met someone who got it. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. I, the, I remember it, the look on my face must have been astonishing when I first saw it because you really just kind of turn your head like, wait, what? What's going on? You know, it, it's definitely one of those. Um, but yeah, so to see that, that so did they have, was that like a CGI or did they like put a prosthetic thing on Felicia? Or No, she wouldn't wear a prosthetic. Uh, her mother wouldn't let her. Okay. Um, that was the original plan. And so they found this local college kid, uh, I believe it's SUNY Binghamton, and uh, and shaved him from head to toe, except for his pubic hair. And you know, it was like something out of a Greek tragedy. They oh were, my gosh! The, the two, uh, the wardrobe lady and the makeup lady, were uh, feeding him Jack Daniels, and uh, and he's just crying this like this horrible lament, like you've never heard before in your life. And and I'm laughing so hard, my sides hurt. Oh my gosh! So I'm like I'm like, man, some people do anything for 250 bucks. But yeah. you know, 250 bucks in 1982 was a lot of money. Yeah, totally. Um, and so, uh, but you know, I think once he's <laughs> once they started shaving him, I think the reality of it sort of freaked him out. Plus, it was like um, bone splitting cold. Oh uh, yeah, because you guys were there in the autumn, right? It was fall. Yeah, by this time it's the very end, so it's like. Um, October, you know, and yeah, yeah this poor guy was just, you can tell I mean, it was, it was awful. Shot. And, and I was, you know, <laughs> evidently not the nicest kid in the world. Cause I was just absolutely freaking dying. I just thought it was the funniest thing. In the oh world. my God. And he was probably hearing you and, you know, not making it easier for him. Right. Yeah. Especially cause I'm standing next to a, you know, wonderful, uh, burning, uh, heat. They, they didn't have heat lamps back then. They had like these heat torches, but gotcha. I'm standing up there all cozy <laughs> and warm and, this and listening guy's... to this poor bastard just, just have his entire life <laughs> ruined. And, uh, and you know, uh, he's never come forward. Oh, my gosh. Wow. And uh, he's, never, he's never come forward. Yeah. Me. I was that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and all the jokes that are made about, you know, is him being small and all that stuff. I'm like, you stand outside when well, it's yeah, 35 it's... degrees next to water and right. the wind's ripping. I don't think anybody's going yeah, to think we're really all proud small. of what they look like. Totally. So <laughs> how did George, they? So that's did... a George Costanza moment. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Shrink. Um, so did they, did they superimpose? So how did they do that effect that they just superimpose? They, no, they, uh, they, they made two masks of, uh, Felissa's head, uh, her face that, that took four, that was Ed French. Oh my God. Uh, who was a genius, you know, uh, who's worked on, you know, hundreds of films. Um, very famous guy. And, uh, he, you know, most of the crew had come straight from Creepshow to, uh, Sleepaway Camp. Oh, that's and so, so cool. Ed, yeah, Ed French made these masks of Felissa. They took four hours each, if I remember correctly. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, I thought that was so. So they put the mask on the. Um, sorry, I'm trying to turn off my cell phone because yeah, it's all right. It's oh, it was it was Felissa. <laughs> was it really? Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> um, but so uh, they made these masks, and they were just. I mean, it was really weird to look at the masks when I was getting my makeup done because yeah. they they looked exactly like. I mean, they do. And so if you look at the final scene, her face doesn't move. 
Yeah, it's yeah. kind of still, yeah, without a but doubt. But nobody cared, you know? I mean, there's yeah. so many things about the movie that I thought going in were going to be a problem. Like, right. I thought um, that, she, first of all, she was way too pretty and way too feminine looking to um, for anyone to possibly buy it. Right. And Robert knew that this would work. Yeah. I didn't, you know, but that would, that goes back to my sort of uh, limited imagination at that time. Well, it's tough when you're behind, when you're in front of the camera and you don't kind of see the big picture, you know, like I'm sure Robert saw, you know, and he was seeing yeah. the bigger well, picture. Yeah, whatever the picture he sees in his head is really terrifying. Yeah, <laughs> no, absolutely. I don't want to see the pictures he sees in Yeah, his head. seriously, if that's his, his thinking, he's got to be a pretty freaky dude for sure. That was just what got approved. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm sure there were things that were cut, you know. <laughs> How about, like, were you there for a lot of the special effect shots and that kind of stuff? I did all of them, yeah, because it's my hands. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, that's because amazing. They couldn't, use, they couldn't use Felissa's hands because um, her hands were long and feminine. Yeah, so they so that's funny. They used yours to try to kind of... That's great. The, look, you can look for the mole on my... You can see it right... Uh, where is it? Oh, it's over here. There you go. You, you see that? Oh, my gosh, that's so uh, funny. Yeah. So Ricky really was the killer. <laughs> well, and that, that adds to the two killer theory. Right. You know, yeah. yeah. People, a lot of people have said that over the years. Yeah. And, and to be completely frank, I don't know. Felissa knows so much more about, uh, because she's really close with the director, Robert, and she knows much more about the Becks, uh, you know, the whole uh, sordid tale. Yeah, yeah. I was telling Mike when uh, uh, before we uh, before we got on that yeah, yeah, I, when, when I watched it, I was I was so certain that there had to there, there had to be two killers. There had to be because when you when we have the scene with the kids out in the woods, um, the campers, the right? campers, yeah, the kids, uh, they they needed that he needed a car to bring them back and forth. And I was like, you, there were murders going on at the camp and then out in the woods. Um, it just seemed very. Uh, the, the, the timing maybe, wouldn't have worked. Maybe Angela knows how to do time travel. Yeah, maybe. Maybe she could teleport or something. Yeah. She really, I mean, let's think, you know, let's be realistic. She would kick Kane Hunter's ass. <laughs> she would, without a doubt. <laughs> and, I, and I've told him that to his face several times. That's awesome. Very he cool. Loves, he loves me. That's awesome. If he, if he could catch me. <laughs> I thought, you know, speaking about the campers, I was saying to Tom, it's kind of interesting, like, most of the kills are, like, serious revenge kills, you know, but then these these kids, you know, like, I think... Well, that, they, they threw sand. They threw the sand, right. That's what Tom reminded me of, that's, and I said, I'm oh, yeah, I forgot about the, that. That's the worst thing you can do in the... Uh, <laughs> Don't throw sand at Angela. In the Buddhist religion of camp. There you, you go, Buddha. yeah. Camp you can't, Buddha. You can't do it. You can't, you can't throw sand. No, throw do sand. Not. It's like spitting on somebody. It's awful. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> oh gosh, it's so funny. No, come on, just think about it. If you, I don't know if you've been to sleepaway camp, but if you're in the water and somebody throws sand at you, it that is re- it is mean. Yeah, it's really freaking mean. Because yeah. the worst thing is somebody throwing sand at you when you're wet. <laughs> it sucks. <laughs> Without getting into the, you know. Yeah, I'm sure it's nitty hurt. gritty. Yeah, totally, <laughs> absolutely. So what uh, I'd love to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) What uh, what are like I'd love to get everybody's take, but like your favorite kill in Sleepaway Camp, you know, what was what was yours? It's not even a kill. It's not even a kill. Which one? Uh, It's Artie. Oh, yeah. And yeah, the boiling water. Yes, that's right. Because he gets wheeled out. Right. You don't really know. what I love. Oh, I love that scene. Because that. Yeah. Because he's such an asshole. Seeing the big giant horse syringes. They had to make the the. um, blisters pop up on his face oh my gosh that's so you know this is pre-cgi it's so cool 
you know, the way they came up with some of this stuff. Was yeah. Amazing. Well, I love it. Yeah. took so much work, you know? Yeah. But I think practical effects are so much better yeah, than, so you know? Yeah. Just... Well, and they, and for that scene, they hired a guy with a, um, from, from New York city with a steady cam and Robert hated all his shots. So they threw them all out and really? then they went, yeah, they ended up doing the scene with a, with the cameraman actually just holding the camera. Interesting. You no, know, and that was before stabilization or anything like that. Yeah, but yeah. why? Why didn't you like the Steadicam shots? Because I would I, think they'd be super cinematic. Him. Yeah, he hated them. That's interesting. Wow, yeah. that's weird. That's crazy. Yeah, Tom, what was your favorite? Uh, uh, well, that I mean, that one definitely, you know, is one of the first ones that, that you know that that, uh, that comes to mind. Um, but I believe it's Kenny in the boat. Is he, oh, Kenny in the boat? Hey, hey Baba Reba. Hey, hey Baba Reba. First of all, I have to say with Kenny because I, I, I when I when I watched when I watched it again, it, you know, you, you always pick up on on things. Kenny is so polite to Angela during that dance. He he insults her like crazy, yeah, well, but he politely insults. How come you're so fucked he's, up? He's like, hey, that's hey, my favorite line. Hey, of the Angela, movie. how come you're so fucked up? Well, he, like, he really funny. wants to know. <laughs> <laughs> John Donne and Angela and Angela and Felissa are still very, very close friends. Oh, that's really funny. funny. And I think he had a huge crush on her as well. Oh, and okay. So I think for him it was a bit of a stretch. You know, he had come from doing All My Children. He was the original Tad. Yeah, I think that may have had something to do with it. And I was laughing because, you know, the that scene, I guess why I don't like it is because I had to be in that tank for hours and hours. Really? Freezing just so you could outside. just so you could put your hands or your head your head was yeah. that was your head i guess yeah. that came through the boat there uh, and it was but it was so cold and and i'm in that tank and he didn't even have to be in there as like i did oh, that sucks. all the shots were based on where my head was and my yeah. hands were and all that stuff and oh my you know, god so here i am doing a scene uh, you know where i'm not really in the scene yeah and uh, and and just I'm dying. I'm so cold. <laughs> I, I just thought I I was like I was like this is the worst ever. Oh my gosh. Um, so yeah, that that scene. Every time I think I see it, I get this sort of weird chill down my yeah. back. <laughs> it stays with you. Yeah. I mainly say it for that. You know, you have that that uh, I, I have a huge huge fear of snakes. Oh, so when yeah. that snake comes out of it comes out of comes out of his mouth, is just you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we all hated water moccasins when we were on uh, the East Coast, didn't we? We were all yeah, terrified. We thought absolutely. they were everywhere. Yeah, totally. You'd always. I never actually met someone who was bitten by one. Yeah, well, know? that's the thing. Maybe we we should have. We're afraid. like, yeah, let's light this M80 off. This is fine. <laughs> <laughs> No water moccasins. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, that's great. I think um, my my favorite kill, it, it's it's tough. I think the, the bees is really funny because the yeah. guys, you the know. bees is awesome. And yeah. most of the bees died, which was a, a nightmare for them. Cause oh, really? It got too cold. They had like, I don't know, like 500,000 bees, something crazy like that. And they kept them in this big cage. And, you know, and then overnight, there was no way to keep those cabins warm enough. And so, like a whole ton of the bees died. Oh, jeez! Right, they had to cr- ship in more bees. And- oh my gosh, <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, that one, and I think Meg's kill. You know, in the shower, mm. only because I love uh, Mel. I, I can't think of the actor's name. Um, Mike Kellen. Okay, his reaction is it's just classic. Oh, he, but he keeps going and going. He realizes, like, he's talking about you. He's like, it's it's that kid. It's Ricky. I'm gonna go get him. Like, he's talking you know, for to the years, camera. I had no idea what he was saying. 
<laughs> but it just goes that scene goes on and on and Meg's just poor Meg's just laying there dead you know with her yeah, back he doesn't like go down to help her yeah anything. no he just stares at her and then he runs away you know she, it's just she's been dead for hours but he doesn't know that yeah exactly he doesn't care come on yeah his lay is I gone I didn't like that one either though because my ripping ripping through that fake shower door was very difficult yeah I'm sure Did so you physically had to stab through the door and that was all you? Yeah, it was. A, it wasn't a real shower door, but yeah, it was uh, like a plastic piece or something like that. Or yeah, but it was still very hard to pull the knife through it. That's so funny. <laughs> now that knife. This is the thing that I was kind of questioning. That knife is the the kid that you kept picking on, right? It was his knife. Yeah, was Mozart. It? Yeah, Mozart. Mozart's, Mozart's knife. Mozart's. Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing. Was that ever a weird question? Like Mozart was getting back at people. Was that supposed to be like a, you know, like a red yeah, herring? I, I think it's unfair of you guys to blame the fat kid. <laughs> that's true. I don't want to blame the fat kid. I, I hey, think I, that's, that's not politically correct. Uh, I thought this was a politically correct program. Yeah, no, I, I just, it seemed like he was maybe like a red herring, you know, because he got picked on the most. Like, he Ass could be to a the face. He, he, could, he was ahead of the curve as far as video games, let's face it. Yes. What was he playing? It was like, uh, oh, boxing. oh he was, uh, boxing. Yeah, the but, boxing. But he was a great, but he caught the ball. He did. He, he did catch the ball during the baseball game, which ball was. The that was up in the air for 30 seconds. I know. That was really, that was up there. That was a big was hit. hell of a pop up, boy. Totally, yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's great. But I love, Jonathan, your banter back and forth with the guys, you know, and, and just your yelling and screaming and your cursing. It just it makes the movie. It's it's awesome. It's so great. I love it. Thank you. I always, I just I think it, you know, because I went to Sleepaway Camp, so I did have a frame of reference. That's cool. And I you think know, it really does capture it captures what camp is like better than any movie I've ever seen. Yeah, no, it does. Because Friday, you know, Friday the 13th, the campers, the original, the, the campers never really show up. No, yeah, you know, it's just the counselors. counselors. Yeah. So. yeah, and it's a morality tale, you know. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, those sex crazed teenagers, ah, yeah. just kill them all. Yeah, they, they have nobody sex, likes so a sex crazed teenager. I'm like, right. what? Everybody yeah. likes a sex, especially if it's a hot chick. God. What yeah, mean? totally. <laughs> but I love the fact that you know you guys definitely the 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 feel was there. You know, it mm-hmm. just really felt like a real camp. Well, you know what I mean? Yeah, we ate in the mess hall. That's awesome. You know? Yeah. Did all those fun things. And, so and it this, was the camp that the director went to. As yeah, I remember reading that. That's so cool. So he went there as a kid, and then it just happened to close down, right? Right before shooting, I guess. And mm-hmm. he sought it out. That's amazing. That's, that's awesome. really cool. That's why he got it for cheap. That's, that's yeah, that's so cool. Um, what So what um, what's going on this Blu-ray, that, the special features? Can you clue us in a little bit? Cause yeah, this, it's, this it's is really good. exciting. Because, yeah, this release is – this is the podcast is going to be out before it comes out. We couldn't do this before, but we wanted to sort of get it out there right when the release was coming out to uh, to kind of help promote it and that kind of stuff. So, well, there's, there's a bunch of different things going on. One is, uh, you know, there's a screening um, on the 19th. What's that? That's in a couple days. No, tomorrow. Tomorrow, yeah. Um, at Cinema Village in Manhattan, which is really – it's one of my favorite theaters. That's cool. Uh, I'll be there, actually. Oh, awesome. That's yeah. When I went to NYU, that's where we, we would go to watch, like – you know, The Graduate or Last Tango in Paris or The Godfather or, you know, any number of films. I saw Blood Simple there. Oh, um, no way. Came, uh, and, you know, that was just my favorite theater. And so I'm kind of a, a little chagrined that I'm not there. But so Fangoria is running that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's another one at the Alamo Draft House, I think a couple, uh, like four days later. And then uh, I'm flying out to L.A. for uh, the screening at, what is it called? Cine Family, I think. And that's um, run by Fangoria as well, correct? Yeah, yeah. Fangoria and Scream Factory, I think, are doing it together. Gotcha. Right? Um, 
And so I'm going to do that one with Felissa. Uh, and I think, um, who else is going to be there? I think uh, Catherine Cammy, who played Meg, um, and Ed French, the special effects guy. Oh, cool. Um, and then we're doing a signing at Dark Delicacies um, in Burbank uh, the following day. Very cool. And uh, and I'm doing an acoustic show uh, the Wednesday before with uh, Darren Miller, Felicia's husband from CKY. Oh, no way. That's so cool. Yeah, at Molly Malone's. So there's That's a lot awesome. going on. Tom, you have anything else to talk about Sleepaway Camp? No, well, uh, I will say that my, uh, my, you know, my, my first experience with, with Sleepaway Camp um, was actually with the sequel. The, uh, you know, the horrible sequels that followed. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, when I was a kid, um, that, we, we, we got Sleepaway Camp 2. And the, uh, you know, the <laughs> opening scene, I, I was young. I was, it was, was easier to get. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it was one of those. It was one of those sleepovers where the uh, where where the parents didn't really care what you bought. Right. Right. Like, okay, kids, go rent a movie. Yeah, We're yeah. gonna look over here or whatever. So, like, oh, let's get this, you know. And uh, so they play. There it. were boobies. Yeah. <laughs> boobies. You know, I was heard. probably. I've never seen it, but <laughs> I was probably eight, wow. eight or nine. I was young, and so this played, and it scared the crap out of me when she 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 cut she cuts uh, one of the counselor's tongues out at the beginning thing. So I so I and I I have asthma. Um, so my go-to thing when I was a kid, if I was scared and wanted to get out of a situation, was to fake an asthma attack. Oh, my god! So I faked an asthma attack and uh, and, you, got, and got out of the movie. But it was one of those funny. movies that always stuck with me. I was like, it was a, a one weird movie that really scared the crap out of me when I was a kid. And I couldn't remember it. I yeah. don't know the name of the title or whatever. So I finally fig- I finally found out that it was it was Sleepaway Camp 2. Right. So I buy the box set, of course, like any good horror, horror fan would. Yes. And watched the first one and was like, wow. This is not what, you know, this is not the, you know, the, 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 the 10 seconds of the sequel that, you know, that I saw. This yeah. Is, you know, the ending, I was like, as we say, holy shit. Yeah, what is going like, on? You know, like, you, it, it's this basic, you know, basic slasher setup or whatever, and just out of left field. Absolutely. But out what happens is, and what I love about the movie, though, is that, is that once, and what the ending does is it sparks this in people, and I, it's one of my favorite things about it, is that... It makes people go back and watch and say, wait a minute, why was – it couldn't have just been the ending. It yeah, had to right. be something. And then you go back and watch and you realize there's all these twisted characters oh, yeah. and, and, and you know, innuendo and just bizarreness throughout the whole film. You know, and that's what, that's what gives it its staying power. If it were just the ending – it would be like that Oscar-winning piece of shit, The Crying Game. Right, exactly. Um, which, which, by the way, I did find out uh, several years ago that it, it was actually – the idea was stolen from Sleepaway Camp. I used to joke really? about it. Like, yeah, like it was nothing. But then I spoke to people – You know, I, as I got – when I got back into the business, I spoke to people who were pretty high up in Hollywood and they were like, yeah, that's exactly where they got it. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. So, I mean, but you know – is anybody talking about the crying game? No, no. But yeah, Sleepaway Camp. But we're here talking about it. Right? Yeah, we're talking about Sleepaway Camp. Yeah, totally. And I mean, it's I saw the crying game, and there's some wonderful actors in it, and and beautiful cinematography. But uh, frankly, you would have to pay me to watch it again. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely not because a once you know the ending, it's just not. It's not that great. Yeah, and it's not something you want to go back and rewatch. You know, where I feel like no. Sleepaway Camp, it's like an experience. It's fun. You know, it's every fun. time. It's, yeah. you know, a friend of mine once said it never disappoints. And now I'm, you know, I'm far enough away from from it that I can sort of just watch it as a fan. And yeah. that's totally fun. That's and it's like, 
it's great watching with people that haven't seen it too. Uh, I love when I ask people and they're like, I haven't seen it. And I'm like, you got to come over. Let's watch it right now. You know, it, it's I'm excited to see the new print. Oh. oh yeah. I can't wait. I think that's, what's so great about screen factory. They're doing such a great job with these Blu-ray releases. So as soon as that they released uh, the date for sleepaway camp, I pre-ordered mine. So I can't wait to get it. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be so much fun. Um, so let's get into our uh, top five oh shit horror films because I, I think that uh, that'll be fun to kind of discuss right. a little bit. Five, four, three, two, one. We already so, have one. Yeah, 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 totally. Well, I think Sleepaway Camp. You know, I think that is probably my ultimate. You know what I mean? I would have put it. I would have put it up at the top if we weren't doing this. Yeah. obviously it should be number one. Yeah, right. we, why don't we just take it. it off the list and we'll do five other ones? Yeah, that's yeah, what exactly. I'm saying. It's off the list because we all agree that Six it is. Two. It is unbelievably the most holy shit moment that we've all experienced. Yeah. And Eli Roth and Quentin Tarantino would agree with you. So. Yes, yeah. totally, absolutely. So. um so Tom, what was uh, what was your number five? Number five uh, for me is uh, you know a, a random um, a random movie. Ha- Happy birthday to me. Someone's having a party for the top ten, the senior class snobs. Before they get to celebrate, six of them will die in the most bizarre ways you'll ever see, because of the bizarre nature of this birthday party. Pray you're not invited. Yes. Yes. Um, classic, uh, you know, classic slasher movie set up um, as always. But they really, uh, you know, they, they they really set up the who, you know, anybody could be the killer mm-hmm. in this movie, especially with the, with the guys. Every guy in this movie had a reason to be the killer. And of course, at the end, you know, and I, Mike, we are we're just going to say right ahead. Spoiler alert for everybody. I think this whole episode is a spoiler alert because if you haven't seen these films, we're, we have to talk about the ending. Yeah. So, yeah, if you want to skip, you know, uh, skip this section, that's fine. But just so you know, we're talking about the endings of we're all these films. We're talking about the endings. Yeah. So, um, so basically, uh, you know, the, the, for those of you who haven't seen it and can't wait to get spoiled, um, <laughs> you've, got, uh, you've got Virginia who, um, you know, she's blocked. He said these, Virginia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who's blocked with all of these memories? Uh, she's got all these blocked memories from uh, her mother's death, which happened to happen on Virginia's birthday. And she's got all these friends. She's a popular kid, um, you know, in the top ten, as they're called in the movie. And one by one, they all slowly die. And what you uh, what, what you come to find out, the ending has got not only like is it like oh shit, it's got like five oh shits in it at the end. You know, you're you you, you don't know who's who the killer is. First, you think it's this guy, then he gets killed. Then you think it's this guy, he gets killed. Right. Um. And then ultimately, at the end, you know, the 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 dad comes in um, and finds Virginia in there. You know, and she comes out creepy with her happy birthday cake, and it, oh, it was Virginia. You know, I'll, all right, oh shit, I, yeah. You know, I thought I could have sworn it could have been one of the kids, right? And um, slits the dad's throat and <sighs> proceeds to walk over to one of what you think is a dead kid. She lifts up the head. It's Virginia. There are now two Virginias. Oh shit, there's twins. Oh my god, twins. Yeah, I remember this. And then, you know, then the actual Virginia, who is, you know, actually passed out, wakes up and then rips the killer Virginia's face off to reveal that it's her best friend, Anne, who is actually her half-sister. So, I mean, how many ho- sh- ho- holy I know. shits can it's we have just keep in going, a right? It just keeps going. Um, to which then, uh, you know, uh, uh, Virginia kills Anne. Cops show up. They think that. She that she killed everybody. Yeah, yeah. So, so she just, gets she so gets blamed she, for so it all, right? For it. well, you're left to assume that she gets yes. blamed for it. It's one of those open ended endings, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I I love this film. I remember seeing it as a kid. It was one of those like 
VHS rentals, you mm-hmm. know, that I'd go back to, but really enjoyed it. Um, super fun ending, you know, like, like you said, just keeps you guessing, you know, and it definitely is one of those, oh shit kind of things. Jonathan, you ever see this film? I never saw Happy Birthday. You never did. It was just like a classic 80s kind of slasher, you know, one of those that were kind of pumping out after Sleepaway Camp and Friday the 13th. Inventive Kills. Yeah. Inventive Kills. Yeah, but I love those kind of, those films that keep you guessing, like Sleepaway Camp and Happy Birthday to Me. That's always been my favorite, you know, those whodunits, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, that's a great top five. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, Jonathan, do you have one or do you want me to give mine? I do. I have have one that I thought of just because of uh, something he just mentioned. Cool. And it's actually a horror comedy. It's not really... I don't even know if you call it. It's not really horror, but uh, as far as horribly shit endings, it was murder by death. I don't feel good about this. There's a number on the wall for all of us, Angel. Neil Simon's murder by death. Truman Capote is in it, uh, and it's based on you know like a. Um, like a uh, Agatha Christie, ten little, ten little Indians. Oh, cool! Um, and the the actors in it are just—it's unbelievable. And so it's 1976. Okay. And it has um, Eileen Brennan, uh, Truman Capote, James Coco, Peter Falk, Alec Guinness. Um, uh, who else? Uh, Elsa Lanchester, David Niven, Peter Sellers, Maggie Smith. Nancy Walker, who was the bounty paper towels lady, uh, <laughs> um, and Estelle Winwood, and it was written by Neil Simon. Wow! Um, and it was based. It was a classic who done it based on Agatha Christie's, and then there were none. That's so cool. Um, and it, at the end of it, they just keep pulling this mask off, and he, no, it was this person, and no, it was this person, and oh no, my gosh. this person, and so it just goes on and on and on. So it's it, really. That's cool. That sounds like a great film. I'm going to have to check that out. You ever yeah. see that, Tom? No, no, no. No, that's no. awesome. Oh, Murder it, by Death is a classic. Putting I saw, it on the I list. Saw it, I saw it in the theaters when I was a kid. Oh, that's amazing. I love I love any I love Sherlock Holmes, Agatha Christie stories, so yeah. that uh that'll be amazing to check out. That's great. Very cool. Um all right, my top 5 is going to I think it's going to show up again, um but it's Saw from 2004. Yeah. Directed by James Wan. And um, I don't want to go into it too much because I know we're going to discuss it again. But for me, the, you know, similar to Happy Birthday to Me and, you know, the Murder by Numbers, it, it had multiple kind of twists where yeah. you're, you think you have it figured out towards the end and then you're, you're surprised. But you're really surprised at the end. There's that last moment. Um, you know, where um, Jigsaw gets off the ground. Yeah. And I think we'll go into it in more detail because I'd like to save it, you know, yeah. once it pops up again. But that that holy shit moment really blew me away. And I'm not a big gory kind of fan. I like more of the kind of the 80s kind of goofy sort of films like Sleepaway Camp and Friday and, mm-hmm. you know. But this movie had such an amazing ending and such a shocker that it, it blew me away. You know, I was like, wow, this is really clever. So that was my uh, top five. So I think we're going to talk about it again. So I'm going to pass on to uh, we'll start going over our number fours. So, Tom, give us your number four. Uh, number four uh, for me is uh, Dead and Buried. Two murders, Dobbs. Both strangers. Two murders in a town no bigger than a postage stamp. When you die in Potter's Bluff. Expect the unexpected. <laughs> Dead and buried. The movie you'll want to see if you dare to look. Oh, um, 
Again, you know, again, uh, you know, classic, you know, eighties, seventies. I'm a huge fan of the late seventies, you know, eighties, um, creepy horror, you know, creepy uh, kind of horror. And this one, um, which I saw re- recently within, you know, within the past year, you know, flipping through Netflix and trying to find, trying to work my way, you know, further and further back into the, uh, the horror realm. I, I came across this gem, and um, just the opening scene of this movie was so it, it disturbed me so disturbing it's it like the woman me. on the beach right yeah yeah it starts off very happy um you know it's always a light fog which i found out they shot in la and they would always just wait for foggy days to shoot because it was i think it was supposed to take place somewhere in maine yeah it had like, like a like a coastal town coastal kind of town vibe, feel yeah. yeah so this guy you know he, he just comes onto the beach and he's just taking photos and then yeah this girl pops up out of nowhere and she's cute and she's you know oh would you take some photos of me you're a famous photographer and out of nowhere, after they take a few pictures and you think they're going to get it on, uh, this guy just gets wailed and like 20 people show up. But there, it's one of the, you know, there's there's many things that, you know, scare me. I said that, you know, snakes scare me, but a very oddly specific thing is people hurting other people with no emotion. Yes. And almost a like just like this blank monotone like. Yay, we're hurting you. Yes. And you're, you know, and this guy, he's it's the net because they wrap him up after they beat the crap out yeah. of this guy. This poor guy just taking a they, few photos yeah. of some of some stuff on the beach. Didn't harm anybody, yeah. Wrap him up and then set him on fire. Yes, it's unbelievable. Stan Winston did the uh, uh did the special effects for all this uh for for this movie. But um but yeah, really odd premise, right? Like the premise, premise it's like you find out in the end that everyone's sort of like these experiments, right? They're like a, they're zombies. They're, they're zombies. They're, they're all been killed in this mortician um played by uh uh Jack Albertson, I believe. Okay. Um the uh, the guy who was in Willy Wonka. Yes. Um I think it was his last film actually before he before The he dad, right from Willy Wonka. The, the, dad, grand, no, the grandfather, grandfather, yes. Grandpa, grandpa, yeah. grandpa yeah. Chico and Chico and the man. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so he's a mortician, and he's very proud of his work. And you know what it what it, what it turns out is he's uh, he's killing these people, and he's found a way to reanimate them and bring them back to life, so that he can constantly fix them up because their bodies are constantly deteriorating right. because they're you know essentially dead. And um, you know you uh, the, you find out that the wife you, the, the, it's a cop you know trying to figure out who the killer yeah, the is. Police like the police officer is like trying to solve the murder or the murders. Yeah. And he's working through, and you find you, you ultimately find out that the wife has been dead for years. You know, and he didn't you know he wasn't aware of it. But then the ultimate shocker is in that he finds out that he himself is dead. And isn't the 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 doctor isn't he dead too? Isn't he 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 ends up uh, the 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 cop murders him at the end. Yes, but he wants him to because he wants to reanimate himself to be part of his children. Right, I see. Yeah, you know, and but, he's got yeah. it's just, it's an odd ending because he's got all these because um, they film everything after when they're killing these people they're taking pictures of them and they're filming yes. them with this old camera and stuff like that and uh, with the big reveal that he's the one behind all of this all these different camera angles are hitting the walls and stuff like that all these people that have died or whatever it's just this great the imagery is just great all these lights shining up around him and he's like god you know and then the guy he the cop dan uh, he grabs his hands and he's like no and he pulls his hands away and he sees that his hands are falling apart yeah and he's just like oh dan 
come on over, let me fix you up. And oh my like, gosh. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, and you're yeah. like, holy shit, what is going holy on? Holy shit. Yeah, but that was one of those, like I not discovered that until probably like maybe six years ago, mm-hmm. but it was such a great movie that I was like, oh my God, how could I not have seen this movie before? It was, uh, yeah, it was a great film. So yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Nice. So that's your number four. Yep. Jonathan, you got a number four? You're yeah. Scrounging? My, my number four would be, no, 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 no. My number, I'm funny, it's funny because I'm looking up, uh, Top tens all over the place here. Oh yeah, just to see what other people. Yeah, put, well, right? sleepaway camps and all of them. Yeah, they, yeah, because <laughs> um, it really is, <laughs> um, including the independent film channel, which is funny. That's uh, awesome. But, uh, I mine is copycat. A criminal psychiatrist. There's a serial killer out there who strangled three women. He's going to do it again. You're telling me this guy's copycatting a serial killer's been dead for twenty years. Sigourney Weaver, Holly Hunter, and Harry Connick Jr. in a deadly game of cat. Here, kitty, kitty, kitty. And mouse. <gasps> Copycat. Sigourney Weaver is an uh, agoraphobic who can't leave her house. Uh, but she uh, is a psychologist specializes in studying serial killers. And the the thing about Copycat that's really interesting is that the, the, the killer in Copycat is imitating all the great killer, uh, serial killers of all time. David Berkowitz, uh, Ted Bundy, you know, the L.A. Uh, stranglers, uh, you know, and so that's that he's so that they've never seen anything like it, you know, killer yeah. Men, you know, they're—it's sort of a—you know—before there was ever Hannibal Lecter, there was Harry Connick's role in that, where he was the prisoner, you know, in jail, helping them with the case. And but he wasn't the killer; they knew that he couldn't right. be. In, he couldn't be where the kills were made, and so, and then at the very end, you find out that he was helping him all along. And, yeah, and now he's training a new guy. Yeah, I love that film. I remember seeing that and having that same reaction at the end. It was such a clever twist because the whole time you're you're just like, oh, you know, Harry Connick, he's helping these people. He's going to help them solve the case. And they're, you know, they keep going back to him, asking questions. And then you find out that it was him. And it's just like, holy shit. And I think a lot of there's been some films and even TV shows that have used the same premise, I think, you know. Yeah. And it was ends up being uh, the the actor. uh it's funny, William McNamara, who I had not heard his name until I think it was last night or the night before, because apparently I'm going to be in something with him. But oh, was, cool! <laughs> I was like, I was like, that was his name. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> but yeah, no, even Saw, I would think Saw yeah. has that kind of same premise as Copycat. You know, mm-hmm. where you know you think it's the same guy and you see the guy and it's pretty obvious that it's him, and then you find out it's somebody else kind of doing this thing in the background. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's a good pick. That's awesome, Copycat. Um, my number four is 1995 Seven. There are seven deadly sins. Gluttony. You're going to come take a look at this. Greed. No one touches anything. Sloth, wrath, pride, lust, and envy. Seven. You can expect five more of these. Brad Pitt, Morgan Freeman, Gwyneth Paltrow. Seven. When I saw this film, I was just blown away by the look of it. Cause I don't know if you've guys seen seven before, but it has a very interesting cinematic look, like almost yeah. like film noir, just very dark. And you know, the city scenes are just dirty. Like everything's dirty and dark, you know, about this whole thing. Very but, depressing whole movie. Yeah. Yeah, it so. is. But, but so interesting, a well thought out movie. Yeah. Um, it was written by a guy named Andrew Kevin Walker. Um, very, very clever, you know. So Kevin Spacey is kind of committing these 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 crimes or these murders where he's reenacting these seven deadly sins. So you know you have Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman, or you know the you know Brad Pitt's kind of like the new cop, and Morgan Freeman's like the cop that's about to retire on the case. Um, 
chasing this down, chasing Kevin Spacey down to try to solve the, you know, try to capture him and stop these murders from happening. Um, so they, they, they catch on pretty quickly that he's doing all these, these seven deadly sins. So they sort of, you know, and, and Kevin Spacey keeps leaving them clues to kind of get them there. But when you get to the end, um, they capture Kevin Spacey, right? No, Kevin Spacey turns himself, turns himself in. in. Yeah. He yeah. turns himself in. Um, and you know, right away, there's gotta be some sort of plan here. What is he doing? You know, there's some sick and twisted plan. So you find out earlier in the movie that uh, Brad Pitt's wife, who was played by Gwyneth Paltrow, is pregnant. Uh, but Brad Pitt doesn't know this. She kind of confesses this to Morgan Freeman. So you kind of know this going along. They take a drive with Kevin Spacey because he says, I'm going to take you to the last two uh, scenes of the crime. And they drive out to nowhere, in the middle of nowhere, and they get out of the car um, and they're waiting. There's helicopters, like the police are all there trying to wait for something, like an, an, another attacker or anything. The suspense you feel watching the scene, I rewatched it the other day, is so overwhelming. Even watching it, you know, just before this podcast, you just feel this like this crazy tension. You're like, oh my God, you know, it's, it just builds and builds. You see the truck all the way in the distance yeah. and it takes such a long time to get there. It does. And, and just the, like, the, what is that? And the dialogue between Kevin Spacey and Brad Pitt, he's mm -hmm. sort of setting this up where he starts talking about, you know, I really envy you and, you know, I really enjoy, uh, you know, I really envy your life and, and everything. And then Morgan Freeman runs out to meet the truck with a gun, you know, and gets the driver out and the driver's like, Hey, look, I'm just here to deliver something to, uh, to Brad Pitt's character. Um, who's, who's David, uh, what's his last name in the film? David Mills. David Mills so, yeah. yeah, I got a, I got something for David Mills. So you have Brad Pitt and Kevin Spacey, you know, off in the, in the field, Morgan Freeman opens the box and his reaction alone, you know, exactly what's going on. You're like, holy shit. And you see, you see the hair. You just the see a little yeah, bit of just hair, a little blows, bit, but a little bit of blonde hair. But that's up. it. They yeah. never show the head, which I think is no, amazing. I, I'm always a fan of, you know, like the Hitchcock. What you don't see is scarier than what yeah. you see. So, yeah. so then it turns into you know Morgan Freeman stopping Brad Pitt from killing him because then you realize now there's two there's two more sins, right? So you have um, you have envy, which right. you know he committed with Gwyneth Paltrow's head, which I don't know if you guys fans of the Lemonheads at all. Um, Evan Dando, the Lemonheads, they were popular in the '90s. They had a song called Six. I don't know if you heard. I'll play it. I'm <laughs> yeah. gonna play it on the podcast. But the whole line is, "Here comes Gwyneth's head in a box," and it's all about the movie Seven, which I think is funny. That's so. Awesome. But um, but anyway, so then the last crime is wrath, yeah, because he wants he wants to he wants you know he wants Brad Pitt to shoot off Kevin Spacey, yeah, and and in the end he does, you know, because he keeps talking and you know saying you know I envy your wife and and then he reveals that she was pregnant and that was it, you know, and Brad Pitt is so amazing in this film because his reactions like I love when he's holding the gun yeah. and he turns his head away and he turns back and he turns his head away he has could, he has those moments yeah you could see him thinking about it like he knows he knows that he's going to give in and, mm -hmm. and give him what he wants basically and morgan freeman actually says that if you shoot him he's getting what he wants and in the end he shoots him and it's just like such a crazy holy shit you know moment and it's, what's great is that they go to the they go to the helicopter shot yes. afterwards and the the helicopter guy the, the the guy over the radio is basically saying what's going through your mind he's like oh my god 
somebody call somebody. Yeah, yeah, you exactly. Know, he has to, he, it's yeah, like, it's just what panic, just right? It's yeah. just like mass yeah, panic. I have no idea. Like, there's nothing we can do about this. This is crazy. Yeah, but anyway, so that that was my number four. I really enjoyed that that movie. You know, it was it was dark and depressing, yeah. but but as as far as an holy shit kind of ending moment, it just definitely stuck with me. So so that's good. All right, so number threes. Where are we going, Tom? Number three, um, I've got uh, Don't Look Now, Donald Sutherland um, and Julie Christie. Um, this, I mean, this movie is just ridiculously creepy and ominous. But visually beautiful, right? Visually it's like, just isn't gorgeous. Italy? They're in Italy? They or? go to Ven- yeah, Venice. Venice. They go to Venice. Um, you know, their daughter, passed, their daughter uh, dies in a, uh, a drowning accident at the beginning of the movie, and they, they end up going to, uh, to Venice because he's restoring a, a cathedral. And... Um, what you what you start to get teases of is that you know Donald Sutherland keeps getting these uh, these visions, keeps seeing these things. He he kind of visualized his daughter dying right before she died, so he just kind of knew that his daughter was was in trouble. So that that's kind of how uh, how they realized that they you know they they found the daughter or whatever. So you're getting teases of Donald Sutherland kind of seeing things, and then these two weird creepy sisters show up. Uh, one of them is also clairvoyant, and uh, is like oh. You know, I I see your daughter with you, and this brings um, uh, Julie Christie's character um, a lot of uh, resolution. To you know, her daughter is happy, her daughter has moved on, or whatever. So their relationship gets better. Her and Donald Sutherland, um, but all through this, there, there's a killer kind of on the loose right. in in Venice, um, and Donald Sutherland uh, keeps seeing images of of a of a little girl in a red coat which his daughter was wearing when yep. she when she died seeing her running around kind of in this uh you know in the city and uh the ending um his his wife goes home uh because uh, their son ended up getting sick or something like uh, uh, he got hurt so she went to london so he he doesn't think that she's in venice right now right and then suddenly he sees her with these two uh the, the two creepy sisters who he kind of told her i don't like them stop hanging out with them um so he thinks that she's still in venice um, starts doing all this investigative work trying to find her. Turns out that she's been in London the entire time. Again, oh, it's an, you know probably another vision of his. Yep. Um, and it ultimately leads up to him tracking down this this little girl in a red in a red coat, which turns around and is the creepiest looking dwarf I've ever so seen. So bizarre and freaky. And it's just like what what you were expecting to see this beautiful little blonde haired girl. Yeah. And turns around, it's this creepy, and he and his his shock is just oh. Uh, no, no, you know, and then she whips out the knife. She's been the killer and hacks him. Not like, not stabbing, you know, because again, this is another very inventive kill. Like, not like a stab in the in the stomach. Right. Hack right in the side of the oh, neck. God. And it just kind of goes everywhere. And the, and the red, that's the thing, the, the, the red in this movie is so vibrant. And, uh, you know, the blood coming out of his neck and the coat, obviously. And it turns out that uh, the the vision that he saw of his wife with the two sisters was actually his funeral. Yes, it was them on a boat with him already dead. Um, it's just a creepy. So he was like all along he was sort of like dead, and he's just having this sort of like visions. He's and just moments, having right? these visions of these yeah. moments. Yeah, yeah. It's just it was such a creepy, creepy, creepy movie. Yeah, no, it's definitely it's one that I watched. You know, I think I was telling you before the podcast. I remember reading Kevin Williamson talking about his favorite horror mm-hmm. films, and I'm a big fan of his, and that was one of them, and I had to check it out. But it was hard for me to get through. I think yeah. it, it kind of it's a slower it's movie. A slow movie. But when it's you get to that movie. ending, it's it's definitely kind of pays off. Mm-hmm. You know, which is pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. You ever see that one, Jonathan? No, but I, I'm now I want to. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting. It's got it's got a very foreign kind of feel to it. Very but, foreign, um, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's it's bizarre and sort of you know beautifully cinematic and stuff. Yeah. So nice, good stuff. All right, Jonathan, what do you got for number three? This one I'm so excited to bring because I actually did a 
did a review of it. Uh, I can't remember for what online online site where I actually had to write a review, and that was the first time I ever had to do that. Oh, cool. Uh, where they had you know people in the literary world and music and acting write reviews of uh, horror movies that had had a profound impact on them. This one is Magic, starring Anthony Hopkins. Abracadabra, I sit on his knee. Presto, change and now he is me. Hocus, pocus, we take her to bed. Magic is free. We're dead. Josephine Levine presents Magic, a terrifying love story, starring Anthony Hopkins, Anne Margaret, and Burgess Meredith, rated R. And, uh, you know, it was directed by Richard, Richard Attenborough and, uh, and written by William Goldman based on a novel of his. It's about, you know, a uh, failed ventriloquist and magician with a foul-mouthed dummy named Fats. And, and it was so uh, – the coolest thing about it was that Hopkins did all the ventriloquism um, live. Wow. Uh, they, didn't, they didn't dub it, and that's why Fats's voice was so weird because – Hopkins took all these classes. It was, but it was, you know, he wasn't a trained ventriloquist. Uh, and they, and it's funny because they originally wanted, uh, who was it? Did they want to play the character originally? Because it was, there's the film had huge issues, you know, with Attenborough being difficult about who could play in the movie, and you know, all these different things that that happened uh, during it. And um, I'm trying to think of because it was uh, they want they wanted Jack Nicholson. To, oh, to star. okay. And he claimed he turned it down because he didn't want to wear a hairpiece. Apparently, uh, it's weird. <laughs> and then the the producers wanted Gene Wilder. Goldman and Attenborough wanted him, but Joseph Levine said, "I don't want any comedians in this film." I mean, little did he know that Gene Wilder is not a comedian, and Gene Wilder yeah. would be the first to tell people that he was just an actor who could play funny. He, yeah, he, he never just did fell stand into up. It. Uh, and yeah, he totally fell into it. Yeah. And he said, "You know, when he finally came out of hiding recently." Uh, and did an interview. The first thing he, you know, they said, "What would surprise you? What would surprise people about you?" And he said, "I'm not funny." <laughs> uh, he said, "I'm just not. I'm not funny in real life. That's, I'm, you know, he's sensitive, nice, and kind, and he's just not funny. You know, Gilda Radner, his ex, you know, his late wife was yes. funny. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but so it was very interesting. But at the end of the film, uh, you know, the film. It's one of those great films because what it does is it is it keeps it keeps you hoping that the love affair is going to end well uh, between uh, Anne Margaret and uh, Anthony Hopkins and that Anthony Hopkins is pulling himself together and learning that Fats is, you know, is a problem. So Fats eventually just takes over and orders him to kill her character, Peg. And at that point, uh, he kills himself. Oh, my gosh. And she she comes back because she was married and she comes back to returns to the cabin calling out that she's changed her mind and she wants to be with him and wants to marry him and wants oh. to run away with him and and then she changes her voice into a female version of the dummy's voice fats oh my gosh and that's how it ends wow that's yeah. that's pretty sick and twisted I, i've never seen this film i've read about it a ton of times always wanted to check it out oh it's it's wonderful and uh, you know i mean you know, it's got a it's got an eighty three on Rotten Tomatoes. That's, that's pretty high. Yeah, um, yeah, that's cool. I'm definitely gonna have to check that out. That sounds like a really, really good one. Oh, it's such a great movie. Awesome, really. very cool. Um, my number three is, uh, I think, kind of spurred the whole slasher genre. You know, uh, in the eighties, especially, was the original Friday the Thirteenth. Friday, the Thirteenth. You may only see it once. But that will be enough. 
Friday, the 13th. That's definitely, uh, if you think about that film, very clever whodunit. You know, it was one of the, f- like, the first slasher whodunits, I think, that was yeah. that was done, uh, directed by Sean S. Cunningham. Um, I just love with, the... With my buddy, Ari Lehman. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. That's um, awesome. Coming out as the weird head. Yes. <laughs> He's a great guy. Oh, that's awesome. But I, I just love this film because y- you're constantly guessing. You don't know what's going on. You know, you feel for this this kid, you know, Jason, who's sort of uh, been picked on and, and, you know, was drowned. So then you have this moment at the end where you find out it's Jason's mother all along. And that's that's an oh shit moment. Yeah. But um, in the vein of a la Carrie, if you remember the original Carrie, you have that last moment where uh, the the girl is in the boat and she's she's floating there's the music, right? This peaceful mm-hmm. sort of happy music. Everything's happy. It's the end of the struggle with the mother. She killed the mother. She's safe now out in the boat. She looks over. The police arrive. You know, when you see cops, you think safe, right? Everything's safe. Daylight. Yeah, daylight, mm-hmm. safe. Um, and then the whole movie, it's, you know, it's scare, 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 scare. So it's like the Sean S. Cunningham was saying, you're safe. Everything's great. And then you have this moment. Jason comes up from, from the boat. Everybody knows it. Grabs the girl and pulls her into the water. Mm-hmm. It is the, the. I think it's one of the the bigger oh shit moments I remember growing up. You know, because if you don't know it's coming, it's you. Everyone jumps back. You know, and uh, you know. But then she wakes up and she's you know in the bed. You know, and then there's that moment. Oh, we didn't see you know Jason, and they kind of leave it up to to you know. Yeah. For, here comes the sequels. You know, and it's funny that you said Carrie because I believe. Um Carrie had, Carrie had come out before, yeah, before no, Friday the Thirteenth, yep. and it was—I think it was—it was that final scene in Carrie, yes. that made them go, "Oh, we need to put a jumpy moment at yes. the end too." So that 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 that's, that that moment might not have even been there. Yeah, with the hand with coming, the hand out. coming out yep. or whatever, you which know. was which is definitely another one. I was going to oh, put yeah. it on my list. It's definitely like in my top ten, Carrie. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, Friday just—I think because I grew up in the '80s, it definitely stuck out to me. You yep. know. Um. Yeah. How about How about you, Jonathan? Was that? Do you think that moment sort of rings true? Is that like a good one? You think or? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Were you a fan of the Friday movies growing up? Because you kind of grew up in that era too. I wasn't. I you wasn't. weren't. Interesting. I, I wasn't. I I never saw Friday the Thirteenth until probably uh, I don't know late nineties. Oh, that's so funny. And it's really strange to me now because I I know like, uh. <laughs> I know all the Jasons. I've met. They're all. I consider all of them friends. Yeah, I'm sure you've been with them and, at plenty uh, of expos and stuff, right? <laughs> well, we just, you know, we're all we're kind of a small community. And yeah, so we all know each other, and it's uh, so it's really strange to me. But and and the irony is, is you know, when I do hang out with with uh, Kane Hodder, he, yeah, you know, he says he's like, "Hey, did you see this one?" I'm like, "No." <laughs> That's so funny. Like, funny. The only one I've seen, I've seen, uh, I've seen the first one, sort of half paying attention, uh, and then I saw Freddy versus Jason. Oh, okay, gotcha. Uh, because they did a screening um, in Austin, Texas, that they flew me out for. Uh, what was it? I think around '04 or something like that. Gotcha. And uh, and they flew out Robert England and uh, and the director, and it was so weird because I was working retail at the time, and I had my own trailer and. I mean, I wasn't back into acting yet or anything. Right, right. So there's Robert England and me. <laughs> <laughs> That's so bizarre. But I did, I did see the Nightmare 
on Elm Street movies when they came out. Oh, okay. So that was one that you checked out. Yeah, I did watch up. that one. Yeah, those are fun too. Those are amazing. Yeah. Yeah, there's a big shock ending in the first one too. So. Yeah, that's true. Well, I mean, the whole thing's based on shock endings. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. Cool. So, yeah, that was my number three. Let's uh, jump into number two. Tom, what do you have for number uh, two? Number two, uh, John Cusack, J- Jake Busey, Ray Liotta, um, Identity. There was a storm. accident we had an accident and we got stuck and we couldn't get out we couldn't get out maybe there's some connection between all of us like what my birthday next week me too me too yes um you know another you know agatha christie you know um you know murder by numbers kind of a thing and um but the 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 ending to this you know was uh was just out of like out of nowhere, you know. They uh, to recap, you've got uh, the ten strangers kind of show up in the middle of the night, you know, in the rain into a motel that looks very much like the Bates Motel. Do you very agree? Much. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah like, absolutely. Yeah, totally influenced by the Bates Motel. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and you know, one by one, they all start to get you know they all start to get killed at the same time. Um, somewhere else, you've got this late night hearing where you've got some sort of a serial killer is, uh, you know, kind of on trial. It's like this last, this last ditch effort for the prosecution to try and save his life. Yep. Um, so you don't know where that's going, mm-hmm. you know, and you're, you're kind of led to believe that, like, oh, it has to do with Jake Busey's character, who's, you know, a, uh, a convicted convict who's, you know, at this motel. They think that he's killing everybody, whatever. Um, and then, uh, Towards the end, you know, when you, it, it's a little, it's a little slow going, and then all of a sudden, you kind of had everything figured out. Oh, okay, you know, it's going to be one of these people are going to be the killer. Right. And all of a sudden, in the third act, John Cusack's character um, kind of wait. He 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 wakes up at this at this hearing. He's at the hearing with all you know uh, with the prosecution and everything, and the, the doctors there. And you find out that he is one of ten different identities. That this uh, the serial killer has has uh, has manifested mm-hmm. because he was left um, he was abandoned by his mother in a hotel at an early age um, and so he he's undergoing this uh, this this treatment that is forcing all of his personalities to meet each other and to basically kill off each other and he tells John Cusack you know it's like one of these one of these identities is the person that killed all the you know, is on trial yeah. for. So if I can prove to them that this that this particular identity was killed, I can save this. You know, I can say I, I can save uh, this guy's life. Right. So John Cusack kind of goes back in. He realizes that you know Ray Liotta, who was a cop the entire time, is actually also a convict. Oh, it's him. It's got to be him. So he kills off Ray Liotta. Um, John Cusack dies in the in the process, and all you have left is the um, uh, is is the the stripper. Oh, I'm sorry, no, the prostitute. Prostitute yes. from Vegas yep. who is just trying to start anew. So you're happy for her. She's going to go to Florida and she's going to, you know, she's going to grow her orange fields. <laughs> and uh, so the the killer gets released, and you know it's you know good good to go. He's getting taken back to the psychiatric hospital to spend the rest of his days. And you know they they they, they show this image, you know, of of her digging some orange in orange field. And as they were killing these people off, they would always have the keys yep. to each of the rooms and she's digging a hole. And in the hole is the number one key. Right. And she turns around and it turns out it was this little silent kid the entire time who was, who you thought was dead, who got, who got blown up in a car. Right. And he's just got this face on him and you're like, it's the kid, you know? And then it's got <laughs> one of the best lines. He's like, um, 
whores don't get second chances and then just wails her and as he's saying that the the killer in the van getting wheeled back to the psychiatric hospital says it to the doctor who's trying to save his life kills the doctor and it just kind of veers off on yeah. the road and um just totally like whoa did not see that coming yeah it's, it's amazing because it's all taking place in this guy's all taking mind place in basically. some guy's mind yeah. yeah yeah i thought it was really clever i love the imagery of this film too because it's like rainy and mm-hmm. like like i said bates motel-esque you know um but yeah that definitely blew me away that ending was uh was pretty shocking you know yeah. it was definitely a good oh shit moment you ever see that one jonathan which one? I'm I- sorry. Identity? Life came in and talked to me. No, I, actually, yes. I love that movie. Yeah, it was good, right? It was kind of yeah, a... Yeah, that's, really, that's a really good one. Yeah, the fact that it's all in this guy's mind the whole time. And, you know, it's just, yeah, it's just one of those things they just pull the rug right out from under you. Yeah, it, they kind of stole it and, uh, uh, what is the one with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio? Uh, oh, the... Oh, shoot. I can't think. I know what you're talking was, about. You know, the, the guy who wrote... Shutter uh, Island? Yeah. Shutter Island. Island. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, Shutter totally. Island was a was a brutal retread. I remember finishing the novel and going, "Oh God, really?" Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I was like, "This is not an original idea." Yeah, totally. But yeah, no, that's a great one, definitely. Yeah. So that's uh, that's your number number two, two, cool. Two. Jonathan, what do you got for number two? Well, I mean, I you know, I I could move these around, but uh, I guess I'd just go with Psycho because it's just you know. And then do we need to say anything? No, that's the thing. I, I think it's it's going to pop up on my list coming up too. But yeah, I think uh, everyone pretty much, if you haven't seen Psycho, that you're a psycho. You know, <laughs> you really should uh, see it. If you it. haven't seen Psycho, you're not, you're not somebody who likes horror. Yeah, that's yep. true. That's true. But yeah, you, you're right. That ending is is unbelievable. I think that's, a number, that's another double twist, right? Because you got Mother Reveal and you got Norman coming yep. running through with the, with, you know, the garb on, you know, which is like, holy cow. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that that's always stayed with me. So that's a good one, definitely awesome. Number two for Jonathan, cool. Um, my number two is uh, 1999's *The Sixth Sense* by M. Night Shyamalan. I see dead people walking around like regular people. I don't see anything. Are you sure they're there? Sometimes you feel it inside, like you're falling down real fast. Do you ever feel the prickly things on the back of your neck? Yes. That's them. They get mad. It gets cold. How often do you see them? All the time. Um, his 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 his, his one and only good movie yeah it's true i i enjoy i enjoy some of his other movies but this, this one really the movie that let him do all of those other yes, movies totally all but... of those terrible films that <laughs> guess... made me want to stab him <laughs> jonathan's not a fan but yeah this this movie is i won't sugarcoat it yeah no i i guess not <laughs> but yeah this movie really stuck with me um cinematography wise it's a beautiful film right yep. it just kind of reminded me of hitchcock obviously he's a big fan of hitchcock but oh it's gorgeous yeah it's really beautiful but i love the fact that they kind of brush over at the beginning that you know he gets shot by this old one old patient an old yeah. patient right mark Wahlberg. yeah i don't know donnie 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 yeah, yeah donnie Wahlberg. but they brush Stop over the to fact keep them straight you know yeah totally <laughs> So you see Bruce Willis lying on the bed. He gets shot. The wife runs over. And then it's just sort of a slow fade out. And then you see him. I think they put up like, you know, three months later or six yeah. months later. And, you know, they show Bruce you're, you, right away. It's you're convinced. He's okay. He made it through, you know. Uh, something traumatic has happened, but he's made it through. And then you have the whole story go go you know, forward with um, uh, Haley Joe Osment, right? Mm-hmm. So he's sort of helping this kid. But then obviously at the end you find out that – 
he's been dead all along and he's a ghost and Haley Joel Osment is special because he can see ghosts, right? Yeah. I mean, this was one of those movies that I think everybody was like, did you see The Sixth Sense? Yeah. I mean, that's why, unfortunately, it's, it would have been on my list. It is not on my list because it was ruined for me before yeah, I saw the actual oh, movie. Sucks. But it was one of those, did you see The Sixth Sense? You yeah. gotta go see The Sixth Sense, you know? It reminded me of almost like I think when Cycle came out, they had the signs right when you were leaving, like do not, don't tell anybody, yeah. you know what the ending is, you know, don't spoil it. Which I think was a brilliant marketing plan, but I think it was the same kind of a feel as the Sixth Sense, where people were rushing out saying, "Oh my God, this was amazing," and it, it was like word of mouth, like you yep. said, and it spoiled it for you. Yeah, well, but, they've, uh, done, they've done an interesting study on you know uh, whether or not knowing the shocking end of a movie matters to people's. Uh, liking of the film and they found that it actually doesn't really and yeah. that's well and that's why films like sleepaway camp and psycho and sixth sense and stuff people still watch them because even though you know the end it's still it's still shocking well it's just yeah you want to experience it and you want to see it again you know yeah. because it's so shocking that you you have to experience it because you get wrapped up in the characters and that's what i've said you know for many 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 years is that uh you know if sleepaway camp were just about the ending it wouldn't have worked yeah, it's, great films are about characters, and and you have to sort of identify with the characters. And when you identify with the characters, then a shocking ending really works. Absolutely, yeah, yeah totally. And that makes sense with I think all the films that we're talking about. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's great. All right, cool. So we're on to number one. Number so, one. Yeah. What do you got, Tom? Uh, mine is Saw. I think this movie, you know, in in my opinion, you know, it was um, it kind of brought horror, you know, like we, we told you know, to scream, yep. kind of brought horror back into the mainstream. People, you know, started talking about horror again, and I think Saw did that, you know, uh, a little bit more, uh, a, a little bit further on. Um, it, it kind of introduced us to the whole torture porn thing, right? But this movie was, like you know, what you mentioned before, twists and turns. Every you know every time it's such a clever um, concept, yeah. and it survived. It survived Carrie Elway's horrendous accent. Oh yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> but it's just you know the, the the idea of a killer who doesn't kill people, right? You know, he's never actually killed anybody. Yeah. Um, and you oh, know, it's so brilliant. Uh, yeah, it's so and, well thought out. You and again, know? you know, and we, we've you know, it, it follows certain things that we've talked about. Some other movies that we've talked about how they they lead you to believe it's this person. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's really you know, it's really this guy. Oh, well, yeah. and what what a phenomenal supporting uh, performance by Danny Glover. Too. Oh yeah, oh yeah, so good. So yeah, because he's sort he's of intertwined through the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, and he shows vulnerability. You know, yeah. just, that's what makes it interesting. Absolutely. You know, it's just the uh, you know. I mean, we don't have to go through the whole because I mean you could talk you, you could talk about the complications of this movie for hours. But I, you know, I think it hurt Shawnee Smith's career. Really? Yeah, interesting. I think she got pigeonholed for that. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people. Yeah, they fall into those pigeonholes, right? And that kind of screws them up a little bit for at least for a little while until they. Because she steals that movie. I mean, she's just brilliant. Yeah, no, she's really, really. She does such a good job. Yeah, such an amazing job. Um, but yeah, no, that I mean, the ending when he, he the last person. You would have thought is the killer, 
you know, is the the dead guy in the middle of the room the yeah. entire time. And then they, they kind of wind back and they show all these little things and we go, oh man, oh man, oh, oh, yeah. oh God. It all comes to you. It just all kind of comes to you. That movie, that Saw and, um, and it Saw 2 were just great. I mean, really? I've never that, seen Saw 2. Cause Saw I, 2 is great. That's cool. Saw 2, I, I, I... Does it have a similar sort of... Similar, similar... Con- I'm not, yeah, I'm generally not a sequel guy, but I think Saw 2 is a better movie. Really? Yeah. Wow, it was wow, really good. Amazing. It was really good. Yeah, the, again, just, another great... I mean, I mean, this this uh, this whole series is, you know, twist endings, but this was another just great twist ending yeah. for the sequel. Um, con- you know, the, uh, the setup was great and everything like that. Um, again, uh, Donnie Wahlberg. Uh, did a great job in that as well. In Saw Two. In Saw Two, yeah, interesting. He was, he was, the, he was the detective. That's so cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I just, I, I think the oh shit moments in Saw are so great, and I think the the drama and the tension, you know, in yeah. the end where the yeah. two guys are sort of um, going back and forth, you know, and he thinks his wife's getting killed, so he's sawing off his foot basically yeah. to, to be able to get the gun right, and, and he shoots the guy, and you think the guy's the other guy's dead, dead, right? And then, you know, so-and-so, uh, what's-his-name, comes running in, right? And who you think's the killer. Right. It's just crazy. It's just like so – there's so much, like, thinking going on in that last scene. And then to throw in that the guy in the middle of the floor, you know, when he plays the tape back first, you know, yeah. he finds a tape um, and he plays it back and he realizes that, you know, the killer who you thought was the killer wasn't the killer. He yep. was doing his, you know, Jigsaw's work. He was just one. He was just another pawn. Yeah. And then yeah. he gets up and right. And he leaves. Uh, I forget the character's name. Leaves him on the floor yep. and then shuts the door. Like and you're just like, holy shit. You're just like, blown away. Yeah. It's definitely uh, it's definitely a great, great, great twist ending. Great Amazing twist ending. ending. Yeah. yeah. That's a great pick for number one. Awesome. So, Jonathan, what do you got for number one? Well, I was going to go with seven, but. Because you already mentioned seven, I took a left turn at All right. uh, Pismo Beach. Uh, <laughs> and I, I don't know if you'd consider it a horror film necessarily, but I think it is, honestly. That's all um, right to cross And I'm over. going with Fight Club. You were looking for a way to change your life. You got it. I'm stopping this. It's already done, so shut up. What kind of sick game are you playing? Oh, my God. In the end, you will thank me. Whoa! Whoa! Oh, nice. Yeah. Because um, I didn't see it coming. And I know a lot of people always say, oh, I totally knew it was that. Oh, I, I didn't no, either. I, I had no idea. No and, clue. Uh, and I love that movie. Oh, I mean, love it. It is so, so dark and dastardly. And I mean, I think it is a horror movie. I mean, I don't know what else you would call it. Um, you know, it sort of mixes horror and film noir and you know, it, it feels like a foreign film, uh, and you know uh, Edward Norton and Brad Pitt are both, you know, outrageously amazing. As is uh, what Helena Bonham Carter. Uh, yeah. It just, yeah. It, the movie just is is staggeringly uh, brilliant. And I mean, I got to make an aside mention to Panic Room just because it's the same director, but because I love that one as well. But but yeah, that Fight Club, that ending, I was, I just, I don't know how I didn't see it, but I didn't see it. Oh yeah, it was it's so good. It's one of those movies that I've gone back and watched because it just blew your mind. There were so many moments that that's one you can watch over and over. Yeah, oh, but yeah. it's it's one you need to go back and watch because there's all those moments where they do the flashback at the end, obviously. But there's all those moments where you're like, "How did this happen? How did this happen?" If they were, if it was really just one person, right. and you walk it, watch it back, and it all makes sense. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It, it's, yeah, I have it's great. I have movies that I've seen dozens of times where I still can't remember the ending, like uh, Apocalypse Now. Yeah. And and so that's sort of the same thing. It's that 
you know, it's the movie has got so much going on that it's not about the surprise ending. It's just, there's so much going on, but then the ending just absolutely hits you like a two by six, you know? Yeah. And I love when the when the city's blowing up and the Pixies song's playing in the background. It's such a cool moment. I think that's one of the things that brought the Pixies kind of back on the map, you know, because I love them. They're so so talented. But, um, yeah, that's a great movie. Uh, that's another movie that I love watching with people that haven't seen it. Oh, you know, yeah. I love watching yeah. those oh shit kind of movies where you, you, you ask somebody, have you seen that? No. Okay, let's sit down and watch it. And you kind of just watch their face at that moment. It's mm-hmm. such a great thing where they're like looking at you like, oh, my God, what? Seriously? Um, yeah, I love it. That's great. So that's an amazing, that's an amazing number one. Um, my number one was Psycho. Here we have a quiet little motel when in fact it has now become known as the scene of the crime. An amazing ending. Um, one of those films that you don't really see coming. You're kind of, you know, you get a feel that something weird is going on, but you, you hear mother's voice, so you don't really know. You know, right. you think she's up there somewhere. Um, when everything's revealed, it's, uh, it's an unbelievable ending. And if you think about that time when that movie came out, what a what a like a, a scary film, you know? Like there weren't films like that back then. That yeah. was kind of like one of the first. Nobody, yeah, nobody made films like Hitchcock. <laughs> yeah, but that's it. Hitchcock. That's why he's so brilliant, you know, to make a movie like that so shocking. Like I'm surprised the studio put that out. And I know he well, had a lot of problems with it, you know, with the studio. But they they have a whole he movie. Did, he did with yeah. tons of his tons of his movies. I mean, he just he was incredibly uh, stubborn. He saw what he saw in his head, and that was it. And yeah. You know, he was willing to go broke, you know, much like uh, Coppola, you know. Absolutely. Uh, they made that whole movie about him making the movie. Yes, you know, and he the, had a lot of flack, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know there was a big fight about the black and white thing. They yeah. didn't want black and white, and he mm-hmm. was pushing for that. But, yeah, he was one of those amazing directors, you know, that sort of stuck to his guns and, and uh, got what he wanted, you know. And for for rightful reason, his films are just gorgeous and beautiful, you know. Amazing, yeah. And, uh, yeah, he's worked with great writers, you know, kind of working with them. But, yeah, so that had to be my number one because it's just one of those ones that I remember forever. You know, it's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so yeah, there's our top five. So, Jonathan, what so what have you been up to and, like, what, what's going on with your music? You know, we both kind of – we've checked out your music. I wanted oh, to mention yeah. – <laughs> So, what, what's new? What's the, what's the future plans for you? Okay, well, um, the latest movie that I had released called The Perfect House is going to go into broad distribution um, in July – and uh, I won three Best Actor awards for my portrayal of serial killer John Dozy That's in awesome. that one. And there's talks of a prequel centering around centering around my character. Oh, it's so cool! Um, I did a movie called Redemption, which is a, a psychological thriller uh, that I did with George Loros from The Sopranos, who played Buffalo Ray Curto, who I got to know very well on set, which was really awesome. And he he was also in Serpico and. Uh, everyone in that film was a trained method actor, so that was really exciting to that's, do a film where, that's with interesting. that intensity. Yeah. Did you learn um, a lot working on that film? Because I would imagine I working did. with method it, actors. Well, but I'm I that's I was trained at NYU as yeah. well. I went to Circle in the Square Theater School. In fact, uh, back in the day, I was in I was in studio with Molly Shannon for three years, and my friend Alec Mappa, and uh, you know, I was good friends with Adam Sandler, who I recently reconnected with because he thought I was dead. Was this guy? <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Oh god! Um, but I've been talking, and the reason I talked to Adam was because I've been talking with uh, uh, producer Brian Witten, who did uh, The Wedding Singer and Little Nicky, and more recently Chernobyl Diaries, and uh, just did Cell with uh, Sam Jackson and John Cusack, which oh, is a cool. Stephen King novel uh, that they just finished shooting in Atlanta, and uh, 
So we've been talking about doing some work together. I just signed on to do a movie called The Undead, um, which is a classic throwback zombie film, and Felissa Rose is going to be in that as well. Excellent. Uh, and I get to play a good guy. My mom started crying. Um, <laughs> I, uh, and I just also signed to do a movie called Reservoir. I am also doing uh, a film that I'm producing and starring in called uh, The House at Wet Blood, and we're hopeful we'll get Eric Roberts to um, play the cop against my guy who has PTSD. Wow. Uh, and I'm working on a new album uh, called Family with my um, dear friend Mitch Deswarte because we we were in a band together years ago, and you know, as sometimes those things end up, we d- didn't end up particularly well, and we reconnected because he moved back here to Fort Collins and uh, with his wife and his son, who is uh, now very, very close friends with my son. And oh, that's so, so cool. Yeah, so we started working on this project and, and uh, did my first music video from that, which is actually included in the Sleepaway Camp Blu-ray called oh, The Princess. Oh, nice. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, and I'm, I have plans to do a movie with uh, John Dugan from uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre um, and Lawrence Nelson. Directing, um, gosh, I, I'm trying not to forget anybody because I would feel bad. <laughs> you got, you're uh, busy. You got a lot well, going on. You had time you know, to do this podcast. My God, I know. Well, it's crazy. It's crazy awesome. to to sort of, uh, you know, I as, I don't know if you guys know my history of leaving the business for 20 years to pursue music and yeah, really just I was completely out and um, to have all of this coming to me now is is uh, I'm I'm in, intensely grateful. Um, immensely, I should say, grateful. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it's so fantastic, and I'm so happy about what you know the future may bring. I when I started acting again, I realized how much I missed it. Uh, as a you know, as I said, as a trained method actor, it, it enriches everything else in my life. And, yeah, you know, it's funny because the most recent director said to me when he watched The Perfect House, he said, "You know, it's so weird." dude, you're like so nice. It's like, I can't, he's like, I can't reconcile it when I watch that. Cause you're just so cruel and cold and calculating. You know, he's a very, John Dozy is a very organized killer and he, he psychologically destroys people before he physically tortures wow, them. Nice. And I loved the character when I read it. I was like, Oh, talk about fresh meat. Um, and so I, yeah, I like anything that challenges me is, is I guess it's what I would, hope for you know when i got the character of the good guy i was like all right now i gotta find out what his dark past is you know right um because we all have it you know we you know none of us are are what we you know it's all uh, deep down inside somewhere right? yeah we're all animals and you know we want to eat and uh screw and yeah uh and so you know and when you have you know the the troubled upbringing that i have with a transgendered cousin slash adopted sister you know yeah things can come out of absolutely that. yeah you, um, can, you got a lot but, to pull from deep well, down but, inside yeah but to see the 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 resurgence of sleepaway camp to the point where it's you know rumor mentioned last month that it, the triumvirate of horror films of horror, camp horror films are friday the 13th the burning and sleepaway camp yeah. 10 years ago that no one would have said that no yeah. no you're right and uh, sleepaway camp has reached a level that i never expected and i'm just incredibly grateful and there's no way it'll ever give up that prestige that it has now and that's you know for me that's uh i guess i should just say i'm lucky yeah and how how are the fans i'm sure you met a lot of fans and stuff you find the fans they're the best 
and you know I've gotten to know transgender people, and you know it's obviously a very popular uh, movie among gay people, and, right? Uh, so you know, and, you know, as a kid that grew up around the East Coast, that was never none, none of those things were ever an issue for me. But yeah. I just, I, you know, to meet be able to meet people from completely different walks of life you know i mean the fact that tina fey was mentioning it she mentioned it in mr bossy pants and, um <laughs> she talks about it on the nerdist with chris hardwick and i was like what the what is going on yeah something seriously. very strange is happening oh, here but, um, so awesome. but i'm thrilled i i'm absolutely thrilled and and glad to be in good health and uh ready to make this comeback yeah which i think is uh it's amazing you know, I, I think the fact that you're still involved in music and films is unbelievable. I, you know, I'm a musician and I'm a filmmaker also, but it's so hard to kind of have multiple things going on. So the fact that you can do music and film and really just be heavily involved is, is amazing. That's so, so great. You know, it's, yeah, it's, it's staggering. You know, at times it does seem a little daunting, as you know, you know, I was late to do the interview because I had to drive my son to the store to get some candy. (laughs) The important uh, things. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, I mean, I think that's the difference for me this time around is that I do, I know where my priorities lie, and so this time I get to do it on my own terms. And you know, I can't tell you how many people have you know said to me or asked me to move to LA, and I'm just like, you know, if I lose work because I don't live in Los Angeles, I'm perfectly okay. With yeah, that. that's yeah. that's great. That's great that you can do that. To kind of put family first, and you know, make ah, other things so, important. What, yeah. a, what a what a gift. Absolutely. Yeah. It's like, you know, you're not working for the industry. The industry is working for you, which is great. You know, that's, that's awesome. So Jonathan, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. You were such an awesome guest and it was really cool to kind of reminisce about Sleepaway Camp and we can't wait for that Scream Factory Blu-ray release to come out. It's, I know it was a film that always sort of stuck with me. It was one of those ones that I'd watch, you know, every Halloween and still do to this day. But your performance stands out as the greatest, uh, you know, funny moments, you know, uh, emotional moments. But I, I love when you scream and shout, you know what I mean? It's, it's just me and my friends always just, just cackle and die laughing when you're, you're yelling, you know, fuck you, you know, uh, it, it's amazing. And I love that. I love the fact that that was your audition process too, That's which great. is great. Yeah. It's so awesome. <laughs> It's yeah, so Robert knew what he was getting. I guess so. Yeah, he knew right away. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. But thank you so much for being on the show, Jonathan. And uh, yeah, we hope to maybe bump into you someday soon at an expo or something like that. And maybe we could shake hands and uh, say hello. But yeah, thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you, guys. It was my pleasure. All right. Yeah.